When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Strong woman. Strong Hey, I'm Poppy Ajuda and welcome to my Strong Woman podcast. This podcast is all about discussing the things most important to me, from music, feminism, sexuality and gender, to race, class and politics. On this podcast, I will invite friends to talk about how these concepts intersect with their lives and hopefully offer you a little bit of laughter and a lot of food for thought. Hey, what's up? This is Poppy Ajuda and you're listening to this week's episode in conversation with the incredible artist and composer Nabaya Garcia. Nabaya is a force to be reckoned with. She is someone who I think is one of the most prominent saxophonists in the UK today. She is a good friend of mine who, as you'll hear, I could laugh all day with. And I really wanted to just talk artist to artist about what it's like being a musician, how we get through touring and the pressures of the everyday. And I am obviously very eager to pick her brains about songwriting and how she wrote her album. Mm, hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. Had a nice breakfast, feeling chill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. We were already laughing and it's, we we're on hello. <laughs> well, yeah, so I'd love to start by talking about your album and especially Source and Pace because I feel like they're very relevant to today mm. and I wanted to talk about how those songs came about and I think obviously pace to me sounds very related to you know the fast pace of life and Mm. what's expected of us in society and I was just kind of interested to get your perspective on that it was really interesting that you put that as a one of the main songs in your album Mm, yeah the first track straight in there Mm. um (laughs) I think for me yeah I wrote it around the time like I was just starting to like heavily heavily tour and Mm. I'd maybe had four months five months on the road on and off but like still the thing is like I was with my band and also like loads of other bands so it was like back to back and I was just frustrated but also like felt very guilty for being frustrated because this is what this is what I wanted this is what everyone says like oh my god you know when they see you they're like you're touring you're doing so well and it's like yeah I'm so grateful and I'm so happy about it but like I am tired all the time. I am never home. I'm paying rent on an empty room full of my shit that I don't get to. I hear that Um, from so many musicians. Yeah, it's it's so difficult. So I was like, I was just frustrated and I, I think I wrote it out of like pure, I need to get this out of me. I need to get this frustration out, which is why it's so... It got that energy. Yeah, it's like, it's just, I kind of, I remember it started from the baseline and I was just like, look... You know, when you're running around London and you're trying to get to like six things in one day and it's that was like the backdrop to that to me. It was like this pulsating like 
hood up, head down, like, I just need to get to where I'm going, everyone else get out of my way. Mm. And that is kind of what brought about the whole energy for the thing and, like, all the solos are, like, very... They're very, like, intense because, you know, I'm from London, live in London, and London life is, like, incredibly hectic, incredibly intense, and that was kind of the backdrop to the whole thing, really, and I kind of purposely wanted to start the album there. I don't want people who are looking up to musicians um, like myself or you or any of us... Thinking that that's normal. This is it, because that's what I've done. You know, I've been, like, looking at other musicians just older than me and being like, well they're on the road all the time so I guess like you just have to make it work you have to get through especially coming from a lockdown situation where we actually had a chance to slow down it makes you really reflective of what a normal pace is to be at you know what's normal to be able to do in your day how many things you can cram into one day because boy Mm. (laughs) during lockdown it was like one thing a day (laughs) yeah and how great did that feel yeah we all had a chance to actually daydream which makes you creative more creative Mm. um be inspired by so many different things than you're used to and I think a lot of, especially musicians felt a lot better yeah and my anxiety was at an all-time low mm. during lockdown yeah because you're not trying to force somebody else's life onto yourself because some random figure in the music industry or the world for that matter has told you, you know but this is this is the pace that you should be going and it's that's not fair like they're not the ones that are doing it and it gets like mixed up in this like oh but you're doing really well so like why aren't you happy about it or like why why are you complaining and it's like I never want to seem like I'm complaining or coming across like I'm complaining so I don't usually talk about it Mm. you know I'm just like well we've got to get it done and now that I have different options like I'm talking about like before lockdown but like I was striving to tour you know, in a much healthier way this year, and we planned things out so much better. Out, than, yeah. yeah, so much better than last year, and obviously it didn't happen. But <laughs> I mean, the the change in my man- mentality surrounding like what I expect for myself, how I want to treat myself, and how I want to treat my band, rather than someone saying like, "No, but this is the cheapest option, and you need to do this." And it's like, "Well, no, we're not. We're not going to do a gig after having two hours sleep anymore. I'm done with that. Yeah, you can't expect me to do that." I think that industry also doesn't always think about or take into account what kind of emotional pressure that that puts on an artist who then has to perform who then has to write Mm. during that time like I think they don't always consider that and actually that can have quite a detrimental effect on us yeah and the other thing I was wanting to talk about as well was the kind of lonely existence of being a solo artist it can be very overwhelming having that kind of complete responsibility yeah because there's just so many ways especially as an independent artist that you have to split yourself and I mean most artists start out as independent artists until they decide to sign and I was just wondering if you also experienced that Mm. yeah absolutely it's it's a shame that we don't talk about it more I think in my experience I've like occasionally you mention it in passing as mm. like you know like oh yeah you know this life is really hard um but it's <laughs> it's not that it's hard it's that it's like you said it's very lonely it's wanting to do the best by everyone mm. that you work with because who wouldn't and also wanting to do the best by yourself but that often means that you end up shouldering a lot of the responsibility and pressure mm. so yeah I definitely feel I feel better now that I have help and I think it's I'm really glad that so I have management now um and a label but I think if I could go back I would do exactly the same thing again Mm. only I would 
seek more support in terms of like with other artists and with other industry professionals in terms of like I was my own tour manager I was my own manager I was my own like musical director like all of this like which is so much to deal with I don't know how you did all those tours without a manager it's really really hard I mean I had an agent thank god otherwise you Mm. know I don't know how I'd have been booking I mean, my you own that was just, as well. That's just too many things like, with one woman. <laughs> but even like organising my own diary, organising mm. everyone else's diary, waiting for replies to come in on dates, like all of these things are like little bits of time that you take for granted. Like, And they also take away from your creative process. Exactly. Your ability to play well, your ability yeah, to practice yeah, yeah. and write. And, yeah, yeah. You know. Because right up to the second you go on stage, you're dealing with stuff. When mm. you don't have someone representing you... Like it just, it got, yeah, it's definitely a lot. And looking back on it, I was definitely overworked and trying to overachieve because society was telling me like, this is what you have to do to feel empowered. And I do feel empowered, Mm. but there's a higher empowerment in asking for help, Mm. I think. When you need Um, it, yeah. When you need it. And also like... And there's nothing weak about that in general. No, no. And I mean, I don't think anyone around me would have put that mentality on me. But I think it's important to start from a place where you know what all of these jobs are. So like, I would do it again. Mm. But I would just, yeah, everything happened for a reason. And I found the help and the management and the label that, you know, I needed at this particular time. And it, it all kind of came together. And I had a lot of meetings with managers and all of this stuff. And none of it was right. And when the right person or people come along, then you know, and you're yeah. ready to, to do that. I think there's an a problem with accepting and working with someone who actually doesn't fit and it and it's quite hard to wait for that moment that yeah. right time it's hard because people say that to you all the time in the music industry like yeah. oh what's your sound you know you'll find it at the right time what's your when you find your label you you'll know when you know and it's yeah, like yeah, well, what yeah. does that mean <laughs> well it's super vague and that doesn't help people mm. coming up like but it kind of is true though you you mm. do like you kind of have to Something have this blind right. faith yeah, yeah and then trust your gut a lot of the time because yeah which is what being by yourself teaches you. Mm. As a woman in in music, yeah. or just a woman in general, you often feel like you have to prove fill yourself. All, yeah, prove yourself and fill all the spaces. And I, yeah. when you show up at a gig and they assume straight away you're the singer, mm. there's like so many different stereotypes. Yeah, like mm. there's so many different stereotypes that women face. And for an instrumentalist or a singer like myself, those mm. are different, but they kind of affect us in the same way. Mm. And I remember when you said that, I kind of thought to myself that one, it's offensive to you because it well, offensive to all women because it says that women can only be one thing and we're assumed to be in a certain role exactly but then I also feel like there's like an added stereotype that being a singer and being a female singer is like a low skill set and yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of musicians feel like the singer is like the diva who like yeah, yeah, can't yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. actually know how to play music and so like there's like an added offense and it's so funny how like we're both affected by the same stereotype which isn't true mm. in any case Mm-mm. but it means that you kind of feel like you always have to prove yourself yeah because of that stereotype for myself mm. I always feel like I have to do everything I have to play everything I have to like yeah. lead the band I have to well you're trying to prove to everyone like I'm challenging this stereotype that the world has put mm. in right in front of me and right in front of you mm. and kind of challenging it so that they so you're tr- you're just trying to change everyone's mind which All the is time. like really really <laughs> exhausting just trying to do a gig yeah. out <laughs> yeah literally just trying to play music and you have yeah I mean it's just, it's everywhere. This mm. is the problem. It's like, even if people think they're very progressive, which is a stupid word anyway, mm. but like, even if they think they are, 
everyone embodies these incredibly sexist traits and being me or you or any woman on the road like it's exhausting to have that kind of thrust upon you mm. all the time you know it's like every single time someone says to me like oh my god why did you play tenor instead of alto like <laughs> because like this happened the other day because of your physique like what? excuse me how dare you comment on my <laughs> physique for one and to assume that you know i don't have the same capability as another human we're not even just talking yeah. about men because it's, it's a problem. It's crazy. Like it's a problem, and I think the vocalist assumption is just super detrimental to mm. everyone. Like you're completely belittling vocalists by saying like, "Oh, but they don't know anything else. They're just mm. a vocalist, and this is you know." Or you know, you've been accused of being a diva, and and then the equated time. to yeah. you know a vocalist. It's just not fair. Like it's also it's, like a vocalist who's a diva is probably just a vocalist who knows what they want. Yeah, who's quote unquote bossy. They yeah. they tell people what to Aggressive, do. Aggressive. You know, like, <laughs> it's like you you'll tell a vocalist that they don't know what they're doing, mm. but when they act like they do know what they're doing and they have direction yeah, yeah, and they yeah. kind of are commanding the room, then you call them a diva. So it's like a kind of double edge. It's hard. Sword. It's really hard because I don't think. You know, if someone thinks I'm a diva because I know what I want, I think when I was younger, I would have been really hurt by that mm. and I would definitely try to appease everyone and just be always be as kind as possible. I still am, but like now I don't have an issue with disagreeing with a man. Yeah. And vocally as well. And I think yeah, it's And important. it's funny, that seems like a small thing, but I think a lot of women find it really hard to disagree with men because, one, you feel like you're offending their ego, yeah. which is like the biggest assault to a man. <laughs> it kind of feels like if I do that, then it's yeah. like I'm in the bad books. And yeah, also women yeah. are taught that we should be liked yeah. and that we should be nice. So as soon as you do that, you then feel like yeah, yeah. you're throwing away the like moral code of yeah, the world. <laughs> exactly. And it's, I mean, this happens in so many different industries and there are huge positives and like wonderful people that ultimately like give you the mm. the greatest experiences on the roads. Like I'm not belittling or diminishing that. That does exist, but it's important to say like how one thing can affect you in a big way in yeah. a big way like not ruin your show but just put your head somewhere else and you have to fight to get out of that mm. you know you have to fight the feeling of like someone belittled me today or made a tiny tiny sexist remark and no one stood up to defend me or and now everyone I have to laughed, do a show and now I, I have to pretend like that didn't happen mm. or you know completely meet it in the face which is just even worse it's really. like all of these decisions are happening all day but like alongside that there are of course, that doesn't exist everywhere, is what I'm trying to say, I think. It doesn't. I think the the main thing is that obviously we've come a long way in terms of mm. understanding a woman's role in society and mm. seeing that it's much more varied than people used to see it as. But that doesn't mean that when you have that interaction or mm. that dismissive nature, because sometimes it's microaggressions. It's tiny, tiny, you know, yeah. it, the bigger things are like men being more likely to be signed than women and festival bookings not being equal and publishing deals. Um, things that I actually didn't and even realise. And paying people differently. That's paying a bloody big one. <laughs> that always happens. But, yeah. but even aside from that, it's kind of the microaggressions when you're working on the road or whatever. You can have a million nice people, but mm, if there are exactly. a few people there who they're biased comes above their job yeah. for example in a sound engineer or a yeah, lighting yeah, engineer yeah. wherever you are because you're traveling all over the world and customs are different everywhere it's really difficult and i think also to add to that traveling as a woman is difficult especially as a mm. you know i'm a band leader i'm mm. in charge basically like when we don't 
have a tour manager or anything or even like I make the decisions which is a lot of responsibility I'm also a black woman mm. so so many places we travel like you're kind of <laughs> thrust with two biases against mm. you and it's like navigating like harder, which yeah. one which one was this like is this because we're black or is it because I'm a woman and I'm black and I'm telling you you know <laughs> x y and z yeah. it's like it's quite it's really difficult to and also you don't want to be playing those mind games no constantly. I really really don't and I've like I think I've tried to just you know do what I'm there to do get on with it and like hold myself up basically mm. but it is tiring and it's exhausting and I've really enjoyed the break yeah <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about this one thing you know like I mean? for, for so long because <laughs> yeah because it really people don't really understand how it affects people how it affects women how men need to stand up as well and mm. call it out and say like you know that's not okay please don't use this language or whatever. I think that is really important, it's for, really important for other men to call out other men because it's coming from kind of the same basis. And mm. so I mean, because of sexism, I think men take it differently to yeah. being called out by yeah, another man. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, but it also like makes you feel like you're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're not... You're supported. Exactly. Like it just feels like it comes and, out of your head. And, and usually like my band are amazing. They're really really supportive but like I'm not with them 24-7 on tour like mm. do you know what I mean when when I'm in an interview by myself and I'm just like accosted with loads of sexist language or demeaning and belittling things that also like makes me feel crazy because they're mm. tiny tiny microaggressions and I'm like okay I have to skate past this because yeah. we have 45 minutes of this interview left and like I also I just really want the language and rhetoric surrounding music journalism to change you know like I really want to not feel like is this going to be a good or a bad interview I just want to have a good conversation with a an emotionally intelligent individual mm. yeah it's about an awareness for how your words and also your power as an interviewer mm. like you there is an apparent authority in being an interviewer so mm. it's like if you know and you're leading the conversation then surely you would think about how your words come across that's yeah. what you spend your life doing I think that's really important you know yeah. like accountability in writing and mm. and speaking I've been thinking a lot recently about you know how the world is falling apart thank you <laughs> yeah we're just gonna dive in I'm ready <laughs> got my armbands um, we love to stay alive <laughs> yeah um, we really do yeah um and i just feel like in terms of an artist's perspective there's a lot more responsibility at flying around for people in the public eye and you know everyone is a lot more contactable with social media mm. to say what they think and i was wondering what you think the role of a musician is today mm. and is that different from the role of musicians Back in the day, like people who are our idols, in my head, they didn't have to confront small social issues in the same way that I think lots of artists today have become a voice for. And, mm. you know, like, is that the responsibility of an artist? How do you see it? I can smell coffee, so I feel like he's close. Oh, coffee, yes! I'm very jealous. <laughs> you want to smell my coffee? <laughs> I can smell it. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm so mean. No, no, no. It's good. I will live through. I feel it. like <laughs> I feel like smelling the coffee is kind of almost as good with this coffee. It smells. No, it smells amazing. It smells I'm, I'm probably so good. my brain is probably taking a hit right now. I'm and it's like a thank you. <laughs> no, it's like secondhand smoke. <laughs> it's a real thing. Um, okay. Mm. I think it's really interesting what you said. Like, there's definitely periods of history 
where I definitely think musicians and creatives and artists as a whole, they are saying so much. They are political activists in their music, all the way back, especially in jazz. Anyway, I think some people say it's an artist's duty, and I definitely agree with parts of that, but I don't think... I don't think it should feel as pressured. Like, it shouldn't be like, you should be commenting on this, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you not? I think artists, by the nature of what we do, we absorb our lives and what's around us Mm. and implement that into our creativity and what our output is. Mm. So that can be overt, that can be subtle, that can be done in so many different ways. So I do, yeah, it's not absolutist, but I do think that musicians are a vocal yeah. For social commentary, like we just are, because we're exposed to everything. You can, where are you living under a rock? Yeah, if you're not, like, <laughs> if you're, I, I think it's a really fine line, and yeah. it's like I kind of, mm. I've always felt like it is the artist. You know what you said, like the artist's duty to yeah. comment on the times, and you know, like Nina Simone said that, and there were so many artists mm. in that era who were yeah. really vocal, but it sometimes feel like there is that pressure to like you have to because yeah, you yeah. have a platform yeah, and yeah. that doesn't make so much sense to me because it's like I think obviously if you have a platform you should use it but I think it should come from a place of passion and caring yeah, yeah. and if it comes from a place of social pressure then yeah, yeah. that's just as performative expectation yeah, yeah. it shouldn't be I completely agree with that I think it's a really hard fine line to balance yeah also like watching everything that's going on right now and seeing for a little bit of time, I was like, oh, I feel really weird about, you know, people putting out songs using footage of protests mm. because it was it was just too close to home. It was like we were in the protests and we were seeing them. On, mm. And it was just, it was a lot. And then I actually realised, like, look, this is... We have images and videos of protests throughout history. And, you know, a music video at a protest is literally not the... It's not the first time that people have done this. So it's actually like it is a snapshot of history. Like mm. all of these, all of this. Like, I hate this word, but all the content that we're seeing. I need to find a better word for it. <laughs> Makes me like You've shrivel been inside. Content, but yeah, I think all of the stuff that we're seeing and hearing the messages over it from artists that people relate to and love and believe, mm. like that is another form of protest like and also it kind of is timeless when you make a video you make a song yeah it it shows where you stand forever because you can't really get rid of a a no exactly and all the ones you know throughout history like we were i remember them like i know Mm. them i know what alabama john coltrane was about i know Mm. what all of these other like huge civil rights movement tracks were about you know i'm black and i'm proud they stay with you forever Mm. they are passed through generations and they are attached to like seminal moments in history so that in itself is like very very incredible Mm, Um, definitely i think sometimes it can feel very sensitive at the time that you're doing it because everybody is feeling so much tension and reliving experiences that are hurtful and so sometimes it's weird how creativity and protest art Mm. can kind of get mixed up with Mm. social media and performativity and kind of everybody's on this little tightrope trying to be Mm. moral but also say what they're thinking and what they're feeling but you know not capitalizing on a moment this is it i think the the key is like not capitalizing on it Mm. like i think something really really incredible at the moment is that people 
who are writing songs, making merch, all of this stuff, like yourself, and using the proceeds to go mm. back into activism, like the Black Curriculum or any of these charities, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of this, like, it's what they need. Like, mm. it's, I think it's important. And it's so important. At this time where everybody's focus is mm. on something, yeah. it can feel performative because it's at the time when everyone's focused on it. But yeah. also, I feel like more people are willing to engage because there is an overall understanding that this is what we should focus on and what, this is what we should give our energy to. Yeah, And it shouldn't be that way. We should care about social issues all the time. Yeah, But the thing is, is that social issues do have they have their an moment. ebb and flow yeah they yeah. have an ebb and flow and they have their, their moments where people rise into like even the same with Me Too or the Women's March mm-hmm. or you know there's moments where people really come together mm-hmm. and we have to springboard off those moments to help with the, the social issues that are connected to them and you yeah. know petitions and there's so many more people signing petitions and yeah. sending money to charities and getting involved and I think that is ultimately a great thing but yeah I think you're right it's very much about intentionality and exactly I think to be honest honest with me I just think music reaches more people Mm. it brings more people together it makes you have an emotional reaction to something that you may see and be like oh that's terrible but when you you know a song can make you cry it can make you laugh it can make you feel like an intense state of frustration and anger Mm. and call you to do something like that exists you know depending on whatever the song is but I think and that's so powerful yeah it's so powerful it's like that's a completely physical and emotional reaction rather than just a mental one mm. um, which yeah, is before what I think, you think about it before yeah, you contextualize it you, know, you feel first exactly I saw an amazing reading by Arjun Monet mm. like a year or two ago at TRC and after her reading of her book she opened up for a Q&A and she was just like well paraphrasing usually here but she was like people have lost the art of standing with each other they turn up for one fight Mm. and they don't realize that everything in oppression is connected yeah and people really need to show up for each and every protest with their you know brothers and sisters it genuinely needs to happen because otherwise you don't have the collective power you have personal power movements but you don't have the en masse collective power and i think that also part of that question about social responsibility and an artist today is mm. is part of that feeling of we're so in tune now with like instant gratification mm. having things now not having to really engage with things properly having social media such a big part of performativity i feel like before if you said you were going to be somewhere you had to be there yeah but now there's so many other layers to engaging with people it kind of dismantles a community there's yeah. such we have such an individualist perspective about who we are which comes from the rise of a neoliberalist society which mm. even what we we're talking about pace earlier yeah revolves around this idea of the individualist yeah. on their job to everything now to success you know and everything yeah. now and money and capitalism and yeah you know that that is part of the world that we live in but i think sometimes it means that as a community we're unable to it makes us short-sighted when we're so busy with yeah, everything yeah. else in our lives and so many pressures. It, it makes us, us. Yeah. As a community. It, yeah, and it makes us not care about other people's struggles. Mm. And then we kind of think, oh, well, it's not my struggle, so I don't care. And actually... It's all of it. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's someone else's struggle, that's your struggle because, you know, until everybody's equal, we're yeah. none of us are equal. Exactly. There'll always be ways to oppress other people until we flatten that out yeah, completely. Yeah. There'll always be that undertone. And I think what, what she was saying is 
is so it's true. Right? Yeah. But it's I think it's really hard. I think in this in today's society, it's really hard for us to forge those connections. And I mm. think people like touching base, creating a space where you have no phones on the dance floor. Yeah. You come because you get a text message. It's yeah. It's, it's bringing it back to community but, and yeah. activism and um, and it's subversive. It's trying to subvert yeah. that. The norm. The norm that we... The societal norm that we are living yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> I clicked, I'm going to this and everybody yeah, yeah. can see it. Yeah, so. my God, I remember those days. Remember Facebook? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. And you know what? I was listening to an NPR this morning and what one woman said, which was really interesting about the post a picture of yourself challenge that was yeah. trending recently and a lot of in the West... The women in power one. Yeah, women empowerment. Yeah, and it came from a lot of other social issues, not only the Turkish one about femicide, but also one about cancer. And actually, it so just. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and it actually had just been overtaken by mm-hmm. women posting selfies mm-hmm. to support other women, but also diluted the narrative. Yeah. And what she called it, it was like, it's like modern day chain mail. And it's like, wow, yeah, it actually is. Yeah. You know, when you used to get a group email yeah. or a group WhatsApp and you have to like respond and you feel yeah. pressured to do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how these themes. And then, like, yeah, no, they kind of come back in our society in different ways. And whatever platform we're using more, which for most of us now is Instagram, it then finds a way to just get, yeah, it just finds a way to get in, which is kind of mad. But But it's kind of great for us to recognize that that's what it is. And you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to. But it's hard, I think. Imagine that we're not the generation that grew up with. Mm. social media like attacking your every sense every single part mm. of the I day c- oh like my gosh. I, I think it would be very hard because it's so accepted in society when you walk out of your house at any age you see everyone walking down the road on their phone like we're at that stage now it's happening it's really scary um, yeah it's really scary I can't and, and imagine when you have or if you bring up kids mm. and they attach to their phones I can't do it like that programme that you told me to watch which one? Years and Years. Oh my that God, that's a really good programme. Everyone watch it, please. It was so good. BBC iPlayer. <laughs> Not <laughs> sponsored. Like, little plug. It was, um, but it just, especially now, mm. like I watched that at the beginning of lockdown and honestly, I was like... I think that's a warning. That sent me... I was like... I could watch that again. I was feeling crazy. I was like unbalanced in my brain because I was like, what if that happens? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're that close. Anyway, I won't give anything away. I love film that Nabaya always says I really like really heavy You programs. love the heavy <laughs> film. There's me just watching like anime and cartoons. Yeah. Just trying to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> I love like really intense programs. But I think <laughs> um, I think Years and Years is amazing because I love programs that one, it's like you're kind of having a break but you're also kind of learning. You yeah, know? yeah, I think that's yeah, what yeah, I like. Yeah. Learning is key. That's my productivity brain in me that I need to like dr- <laughs> drill out. But I think Years and Years was amazing because it, it's a warning for what society can be like if we let it, if we're not aware of, you know, how these new elements that come in on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, we just kind of get swept into a wave of technology. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't always think about what effect that has on us, what effect it has to, you know, before we had stories on Instagram, we weren't sharing with the world what we did every minute of the day. <sighs> it's, that was nice. Yeah, in terms of <laughs> privacy, in terms of... Yeah, um, yeah policing of our daily lives of like being on camera all the time I think we've kind of just forgotten about that I love tv and film that criticizes it and that gives us like makes us think about it in like Black Mirror and Black Mirror is great you know and now we're living in an episode of Black Mirror we are like it's we are (laughs) (laughs) like it feels like it I think it's crazy to me but actually like we've seen 
these things on TV. Like mm. we've seen the brutality on TV and films, and mm. unfortunately, it's also worked against us. Against educating us, it's、mm. desensitized us、yeah. to seeing, watching the news every day, and seeing it, seeing films with it, and I just it, when it happens in real life, you're like, oh shit, that's bad. But like, you don't have the don't. same like people it, aren't on mass having the same like guttural reaction. It's like almost to me, I I'm always trying to grapple with this idea of being desensitized、mm. because honestly. It really upsets me, but I also feel like I do it to protect myself. Yeah, like when I'm constantly seeing these videos, and I think it does, especially at the moment where there is like a massive sharing of、mm. disturbing videos.、Mm. It's like I want to know what's going on in the world, but it also affects my mental health when I yeah, yeah. when I engage with it. And so then I feel like I kind of block. People will tell me a story about something that's happened, and I'd be like, "Oh, cool, I'm not even surprised."、Mm. But it's kind of a and that's、problem. your reaction. Yeah, it's hard. Like I think everyone does that because it's it's so emotional.、Mm. And if you told someone every single thing that is happening in the world today. That is bad. Yeah, like they would, their brain would explode. Their brain would explode. Their heart would explode. They would have such a weight against them, like it would send you into a,、yeah. a spiral of like. It's hard because you have to be strong enough to deal with all of that information and get up and be willing to fight for it. And I,、yeah. I think sometimes when we're desensitized, we don't feel like you don't fight. We want to get up and fight for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. because we're just like, well, it's happening, and I feel powerless to that situation.、Yeah. And I guess the one great thing about the Black Lives Matter movement coming to the foreground of our focus is that we all felt compelled、yeah. to be like, this is a moment where everybody's on board. I don't feel like I'm fighting an uphill struggle. I feel like the also, same you're、thing. not fighting alone. Yeah,、you're、there's that unity. Alone in your group. I mean, everyone has their own. I'm sure, like people are fighting at work or whatever,、mm. and explaining and reliving trauma and all of this stuff. And that's another fight、mm. that is like different and hard. But the protests, you're not alone、mm. there. And it was. I definitely felt that as well. Yeah, it was. It was the first time I think in my life I'd seen that level of support、mm, for the black community. Yeah, same. Um, Which was really beautiful, really beautiful for our community, rather than you know people just coming to take,、mm. you know, like carnival、yeah. or something. Yeah, and it it was interesting being at the protests, spanning from the different weeks because they changed and the demographic changed on the different days and stuff. But because it's like a collective celebration of blackness, but also a really focused, determined energy. And I think you get that what's going on. Yeah, and you get that celebration of blackness in other spaces and other、mm. times where there feels like a sense of community and unity between black people. But it just I hadn't felt that before on mass on mass and. That focus, it was very focused. People、yeah. weren't messing about. They weren't trying yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. They, they were, weren't at all. Even though people like to say that they were. No, they weren't, and <laughs> and that's the thing. Like no one was messing about, and they really, they were there for one reason and one reason only, and and that was really felt. And people joined onto that, and they, and it became a really mixed demographic of people. And you know, like kind of the end of the week of protests that we went to when in Parliament Square, when、yeah. they were like, it just felt like it had changed so much in terms of the group, and obviously grown. Yeah, massively, massively from like the from first, the first one we went to, yeah, yeah, massively. It was yeah, like, yeah, even thinking about that,、mm, a, it feels like so long ago, and b, it feels, yeah, <laughs>、um, it was a lot smaller. Yeah, I just hope that can continue, and I think people are trying to keep it alive, and I, I think a lot of artists are trying to keep it alive. A lot of absolutely artists are trying to keep shouting about it because there's a lot of stuff that's still going on that needs changing, and I think it's really hard in America because it's、oh、just、gosh. so big. There's、yeah. so much going on, and we felt unified with. Their struggle. Well, no, the change that they, the movement that they have 
propelled forward is being met with such mm. animosity from 100%. those in power that it's it's a whole other kettle of fish now. It's just the whole world is seeing it. Yeah, I hope that it will. They will apply some pressure on the government. Yeah, I mean they're dismantling centuries of mm. pain, which I guess and oppression, can't which is, happen overnight. No, it will no. never happen overnight, and you know maybe not even in our lifetimes. I don't know. But I hope like, that it will. In our I lifetime. hope definitely, but I think the first changing of the tide is to education and mm. recognition and structural changes which structural, take time yeah, yeah structural changes but like the first is admission you know mm. like we were saying yesterday mm. it's admission so that things can change yeah acknowledgement of a past yeah and acknowledgement of what they're doing continuously mm. talking of acknowledgement of a past we totally miss talking about source oh yeah and source. i assume source is about that deep-rooted yeah so i wrote it a couple of years ago obviously it's on my last dp but it took a very different shape when we started to tour it mm. um which is beautiful i love when that happens yeah me too it's it's an incredible creative process i guess people what i find interesting like what's normal to me is like oh, i want to change things up i want to keep mm. it moving but people are so used to hearing things a certain mm. way and yeah. then they're like <laughs> play sauce like yeah 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 it's like it's super interesting like it's funny the ones that people always like request or Mm. whatever and and that's really beautiful but i love hearing musicians play like a new rendition or a new rendition or something something special for you in the moment exactly or like you're like wait is that is that that tune is that whatever like oh my god it is that tune they've done it a completely different way that's mad yeah um so yeah that's kind of what happened with sauce that kind of moved into dub and roots sort of world which is amazing anyone who knows me knows that i am like obsessed with uh, reggae and dub it makes me feel (laughs) good and warm and like alive definitely that tune and the album rather like by the same name is about your roots my roots Mm. definitely discovering more stories about my family and in the Caribbean everything is so like mixed and hidden a little Mm. bit and lost so it can be quite difficult at times for people from um, Caribbean descent to join the dots Mm, sometimes and like so and in terms of identity and yeah exactly and my parents have been telling me lots of stories about people um, in our family and yeah that tune is also alongside that it's about realizing and understanding what ignites your energy what Mm. we were talking about before of like being run down and burnt out and all of this stuff and still having to go and do Mm. the thing that you love the Mm. thing that you want to do so it's yeah that's why I called it source it's always been about like what's your core what's the core what's the beginning where's your beginning Mm. like who are you really like who the hell are you inside what do you represent what do you love what do you Um, endeavor to be like what are your goals as such and it's about realizing that knowing that um personal power collective power Mm. like what is the source of yourself and what is the source of your community yeah and I think that goes right back to what we were talking about before and you know if you don't know where you've come from how can you know where to go exactly if you don't know the source of who you are who your people are your stories you know yeah and I think that a lot of people have been denied that identity and that's yeah. a big violence because it's so hard to, yeah. you know, be powerful in yourself and yeah, empower yeah. yourself if you're... If you have no idea and mm. no one... And it's also like, you know, 
been systematically denied from you mm. like records have been destroyed you know they're like all over the world and especially like in the UK and America mm. and all think, over the Caribbean like it's just it's kind of heartbreaking mm, I know but and I think we have to seek that information out yeah because it's so important and I think even myself when I did that because of, I'm also from the Caribbean but very mixed mm. and it's such so a we weird yeah yeah <laughs> and it's such a weird thing being like from a, a million places and yeah not really knowing any of them well enough not really looking like you're from any of the places you're mm. from mm. and it's kind of an ongoing identity crisis which I think a lot of people who have family from the diaspora or mm. you know anything can go through so it's so important to you know find that yeah. source maybe you'll find that source if you go listen to source <laughs> source, source. <laughs> yeah. and my final my final question to you is who were the strong women in your life and how did they influence you Good question. Mm. Well, definitely Nikki O, my first like jazz band teacher. Mm. I went to a group of her when I was like 12. She's, yeah, always, always, always like incredible energy, incredible educator and incredible musician and just like all round bubbly person. Definitely. What, what about her inspired you? What? Well. Because I guess that would have been one of your early entries yeah, into Yeah, yeah. And music. I was with her for years and like we did a gig together a few years ago which was like a full circle moment. It was mm. really great. She is, she's just incredibly kind, an amazing teacher. Mm. I think some people feel like they have to be harsh to be a teacher. Mm. But from her, from very, very early on, it was all she cared about was obviously like everyone enjoying it and everyone learning something. But it was to have fun. You know, it was to like pick great tunes, support each other, support everyone, like really, really encouraging. Mm. And she still teaches now. And she, I've seen like generations and generations like pass through her classes. Um, I think growing up with her as my teacher definitely empowered me and made me believe that like, oh, well, subconsciously because a 12 year old is not thinking this but like she's a woman she's an instrumentalist she's a teacher she's a mom she's like kind she's she's been doing and she was doing this long before I was yeah. there as well like and I guess she felt accomplished to you as yeah. like you and your young self Definitely. she was a woman who had accomplished everything you know yeah quote. but she also like I don't know I don't know if I was actually thinking about that but she just made me feel like I could do it, mm. you know, like I could play my instrument and get better, you know, like no 12 year old is amazing, but like encouraged our improvement. Mm. And that's why so, it, yeah, representation that was, is so important. It's so, so important. Having um, people that you can look up to who you identify with. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists will like cite a teacher or a mentor yeah. in their life that made them feel like they could do it and I think yeah. a lot of young girls don't have confidence anyway so yeah, yeah. having someone who's in like an authoritative role yeah. who could be kind and show you that they could be all the things that you wanted to be I think that's really definitely. amazing I definitely think um, the women around me as well mm. in terms of the women at Tomorrow's Warriors mm. that um, I've been playing with for like over 10 years now which is mad to say but Sheila, Cassie, Rosie, mm. Shirley. For anyone that doesn't know Tomorrow's Warriors is an organisation that young people join and they learn and play together and it's free so it, and it makes it really accessible for young people to become musicians and like to play And in particular like jazz mm. it makes jazz way more accessible still to this day than other organisations mm. um, it's important like 
they've been going for like over 20 years mm. and 20 years is enough time to implement change in so many other different organizations and it's they're still very different and a lot of musicians that we know and who are professional musicians now they mm. started there they had a lot of their younger influences there well Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> for joining my podcast. It's we been had a amazing. Good chat. We, we probably did. talked for like two hours. We could have kept going, you know. Yeah, I had I know, to. I was yeah. like, oh my God, we have to stop. <laughs> we could talk forever. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you. Strong woman. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of my Strong Woman podcast. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe and tune in on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big love. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.